Catch new episodes of Dial the Gate weekends at youtube.com slash dial the gate. And for the latest schedule, visit dialthegate.com. Hello, everyone. Welcome to Dial the Gate. My name is David Reed. I hope you're having a great summer. And welcome to episode 100, the Stargate Atlantis cast reunion. I know many of you have been waiting for this, and I'm not going to belabor the point for much longer. If you enjoy Stargate and you want to see more content like this on YouTube, it would mean a great deal to me if you click that like button. It makes a difference with YouTube's algorithm and will really help the show continue to grow its audience. Please also consider sharing this video with a Stargate friend. And if you want to get notified about future episodes, click the subscribe icon. And giving the bell icon a click will notify you the moment a new video drops, and you'll get my notifications of any last-minute guest changes. This is key if you plan on watching live. And clips from this live stream will be released over the course of the next several days on the Dial the Gate and GateWorld.net YouTube channels. My thanks to the cast of Stargate Atlantis for joining us for this episode. David Hewlett, Tori Higginson, Paul McGillian, Rainbow Sun Franks, David Nickel, and Robert Picardo start us off. Rachel Luttrell comes in about 25 minutes, so enjoy. I hope you got 90 minutes for this because this is a wild ride. Welcome, all of you, to San Diego Comic-Con at Home 2021, (laughs) the Stargate Atlantis 2021 cast reunion. How are you guys? You doing good? It's just like being there. (laughs) Yeah, I'd say it's about what? It's about a 60% reunion going on right now. We've uh, We've got a 60% chance of reunion with... uh... Who else are we waiting for? Uh, so I, maybe Flanagan may stop in. I'm not entirely sure. Rachel is definitely coming in. Flanagan will like call in from his phone on his surfboard. I had no <laughs> idea this was going on, man. Dude. If he doesn't, I'll just play him. I got right, there you I go. Got Perfect. On my Maui. So I, I wanted to go around the group and ask, uh, all of you, uh, how you're doing and what projects you're currently engaged in and what else is going on. And David, you're at my, you're currently at my top left. So I'd like to start with you, David Nickel. Oh, me. Oh, wow. Yes, sir. Thanks. Thanks for throwing that one on me. Uh, well, you know, hey, lockdown, end of lockdown. That's that's nice. Looking forward to that so much. We've been pretty lucky here in BC. Uh, we got good first immunizations. Uh, I got one. Uh, we got one more coming up. So that's going to kind of mark the big end of, of, of everything. I only had about two gigs. It's been miserable. I've been acting, you know, to a tripod and a tennis ball and some very good people mm. have been reading for me, including my <laughs> wife and my kids and, and everything like that. So uh, it's been it's been good. I miss the conventions. I miss my colleagues, all of you. It's such a treat to uh, uh, to see you all. Let me start off by saying that. Most importantly, uh, and it's just great to be getting out of this 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 whole thing. So that's my general sort of state of mind. I'm looking forward to the summer. I've been doing a lot of construction projects outside of that here at the house and and uh, and and elsewhere. And uh, I'm looking forward to getting working again. I'm gonna call you for tips then. I got like a million things gone wrong in this house right now. <laughs> we have a water feature in our living room right now whenever it rains. Yeah, an inadvertent one, right? Yeah. No. Paul McGillian. Yes. How are you doing, <laughs> sir? What's been going on? I'm, I'm good, thanks. Um, I'm being a dad. 
um, which is great. Uh, little kids are eight and six now, Hugh and Rosie. Um, and uh, yeah, doing good. Uh, everything's good, busy. We just, uh, we're moving next month. It, staying, staying in Vancouver, though. So staying inside Kitsilano, which is great. And doing that and working on a bunch of different shows. I'm doing the second season of um, Firefly Lane is coming up on Netflix. So oh, yeah. How cool. Congratulations. So, thank you. So we're looking forward to that starting up. And uh, yeah, everything else is great. You know, things are good here. It, it seems like the restrictions are lifting, like David said, a little bit, you know. Um, it's exciting. So yeah, do, doing good. Happy to see all you guys, even, even David. <laughs> there's there's three here so you have to be you have to call us out yeah. <laughs> tori higginson welcome to dial the gates hi hi thanks how for, are thanks you for doing this i'm Go doing do great do the dolphin <laughs> what oh, oh my god flashback um i don't remember it i gotta be drunk for that <laughs> no i need a paycheck or a spotlight yeah or a bottle of tequila how you doing? How's, how's your show going um, it's good. It's good. It's a really lovely, easy, gentle show. It shoots in Montreal, which has seemed to become my home the last six years. I've just worked there so much the last six years. It's crazy. And I love it. I love that city. Mm-hmm. So I kind of have a foot, one foot in Quebec and one foot in California. And I weirdly find them kind of similar. There's a real similarity between these two. They're both provinces and states that live outside of the rest of their country. You know, they have a very different vibe than the rest of the country. They have a different language. They're all chill. They don't want to work. They want to be lazy. They want to go to parks. They want to hang out. Like it's kind of a very healthy, nice balance. So that's been great. But the show's called Transplant. We're shooting our second season. Sorry? Habs. Go, Habs, go. Oh, there you go. Are you a Canadian, Stan? Yeah. You both are. I guess there's nobody good in Vancouver to root for. No. (laughs) (laughs) Which which Um, season are you working on? You we're said- working on season two and okay. uh yeah yeah fingers crossed for you know and i spent most of the um the covid year in la and turning my garage into a guest house so i was doing the construction hammering too and that was fun nice. lots of black nails lots of oh, God, cursing. yeah, <laughs> yeah. But lots of turn the water off quickly so- right fast fast but really so <laughs> lovely to see all your faces i've just it's really lovely it's really really I was surprised at how much my heart went, oh, oh. Yeah. So thank you. Thank you, David, for organizing this. It's great. I'm absolutely happy to. Thank you for all for being here. <laughs> David Hewlett, what's going on, yeah. my friend? I, I sometimes leave my basement. Sometimes. <laughs> <laughs> uh, that's basically what I've been doing. Um, I've been, yeah, I've been, I've, 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 I feel guilty in that I've really enjoyed the lockdown because Baz and I have just got to geek out together. You know, uh, he got me doing some more streaming and i started doing my tech bandits club online because the kids weren't allowed at school anymore so i've just been having a i've been having a blast and then toronto <laughs> strangely i mean i was very nervous to go back to work and uh a job came up and and i said to jane look i think i'm gonna i don't think i can do this i'm feeling you know and she's like no 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 you can do it <laughs> so <laughs> she's like off you go it's been you know eight <laughs> months of not working you better go so i went off and did that and it's um uh it was departure and a uh, bit of Clarice and some stuff. So it's been, it's been good. There's been like, you know, just enough work to keep me, I think slightly more social. I think Jane was, Jane basically forced us to get a dog because she was nervous that Baz and I never left the house. So we now have a new dog <laughs> called Huzzah. Huzzah. Um, oh, and, uh, 
So yeah, so Huzzah and I uh, do a couple of walks a day, and that's that gets us out. That's well, you're following health orders, Dave. You're not supposed to leave the house. You're allowed to. With the dog, you do, you're allowed to. Dog. You're allowed yeah. to walk. Yeah, and you're allowed to. People you're in Quebec were past. renting their dogs at nighttime. They're renting their dogs out after the curfew, so other people <laughs> really? go out. I think dr- oh, drug dealers brilliant. are like renting yeah. people's dogs. So they, so the dogs are thrilled. Is that a side gig for Ziggy? Oh my God, that's yeah. brilliant. I was trying to. Yeah, earn your kibble, dog. Get out there. Yeah, exactly, man. <laughs> that's really good, actually. I could. I'll just put Wait. a for rent sign on her then. Yeah, that's it. Bob Picardo. I was kind of hey. wondering which personality you would bring with you today, Bob. Uh, well, um, I, I'm now a clothing influencer for Old Navy, as you can see. <laughs> I applied for, Arm, uh, let me see, Armani and Zania, but Old Navy was the only one interested. So that's, that's part of it. Um, I it's have, better than uh, the dollar store. You're referring to the dollar store is next, believe me. Um, <laughs> I, uh, I have, uh, during lockdown, with uh, little to do and no one to act with, I decided, who's an actor that I loved working with? Me. <laughs> So I, I, um, I decided to make videos with myself. I play multiple characters. I now have nearly 10,000 subscribers on YouTube. So if I get another 38 today from this, it's going to be golden. Um, I also do, uh, I still do shows where they pay me occasionally just because I'm nostalgic about, you know, the U.S. dollar. Um, so <laughs> I, I, I've just finished work on the third season of a show on Apple TV called Dickinson. It's ostensibly about Emily Dickinson, but it's the strangest kind of surreal mashup of Emily Dickinson with, you know, 21st century sensibilities with Haley, um, Haley Steinfeld playing Emily, who's just great. And uh, I play her father's best friend and political consultant. So that's been fun wearing all those period clothes and the giant hats that wow. you wouldn't <laughs> be able to see in this screen. They go up well like that. And, uh, and I also have been uh, playing a, a character for two seasons hmm on the Black Entertainment Network, because when you look at me, you think Black Obviously. Entertainment Network. And uh, it's called The Family Business. And I play, of course, an Orthodox Jewish drug dealer. Um, <laughs> so I, life I've is a, eclectic and fun. And you know, when you wear a yarmulke, you, you, know, you at least get to cover part of the dome. So it's, it's been a good, <laughs> it, considering it's a pandemic year, I feel very blessed. And can you play that piano behind you? No, not at all. It's completely pretend. It's actually just a green screen. But here, look. It's, oh, it's oh, a oh, Zoom no, background. <laughs> no, it's my wife's piano, but I'm proud of it. So anyway, so here I am. I'm proud of her for owning it. You're proud of her for, for owning it and knowing how to play it slightly. Rainbow Sun, <laughs> welcome, my friend. How are you? What's been going on? Hey, everybody. Um, <laughs> what's been going on? Yeah. Uh, I've been... I've been in my apartment for a year uh, or more by myself. And so I'm going <laughs> early. Um, my only reprieve has been um, since work has been slow this year, I've been dealing and just renting people's dogs. Uh, so, <laughs> nice you know, work. I, I got a nice stroll. Yeah, it's a good hustle. It's a good side hustle. Um, I've just been literally alone. And so I'm going crazy. And that's no different than me normal, but just a little more crazy. Uh, that's what I've been doing. I haven't really worked this year, but I, I did work a lot last year and a bunch of stuff's come out. Uh, so uh, I, um, I got a little role in this movie called Trigger Point that came out uh, about a month ago and with Confiore and Barry Pepper and yeah. Laura Vanderbilt and, and me. And uh, it's kind of fun. And then uh, an FX show called uh, Nine Films About Technology. I'm in that. That just came out uh month or so ago and i have a really fun netflix uh thing coming out but i can't talk about it because it hasn't been released yet 
but uh, I'm excited for that as well. Other than that, I'm waiting for the next cool. job. Who knows? I'm doing a thousand mm-hmm. tapes because apparently now I, uh, my house is a casting room. Apparently, <laughs> they don't they don't have to pay a lease on <laughs> but yeah. the free casting room. Yeah, I, I was. Me. I was going to approach each of you with the question, but I, th- I think I'd rather make it a free for all and just kind of see what happens here with the dynamic in the group. Um, <laughs> let him that kind seems of like himself. a bad end idea. In tears, David. Great idea. End in tears. <laughs> and go. <laughs> and go. Seventeen years ago, guys. Seventeen oh. years ago, this summer. Don't do that. Atlantis went <laughs> on the air. Um, is that hard to believe? Is it hard to believe that that fans are still into it almost as fervently? as when it was airing whole new generation has been born since then that are now watching it. This yeah, won't people end no well. longer say people no longer say things like I saw you on, you know, you're in that show. They say like, Oh, you're on that show. My parents used to watch. Yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. My grandfather introduced me to the show. Yeah. I really like literally grandfather. <laughs> Come on. It's, yeah. it's, it's a tough question to ask at, at the end of a pandemic year, because literally, apart from seeing you guys here on video screens, I've done about two or three of these things where you see people on video screens and you kind of go, OK, there's someone in Australia, there's someone in, in England, but you don't get a sense of connection with the fans as, as you would normally when you when when you when you go to the uh, events it's more sort of evidence online uh particularly since this is story breaking that there might mgm being bought by uh uh those guys the uh, the, the monopoly guy with amazonians yeah uh he's <laughs> Amazon, uh, what is that true Amazon buying MGM. So there's all this. There seems to be this. I'll just finish my point. There's this noise going on online that there's uh, that there's Stargate coming back. So that's there's evidence of activity uh, there, wow. but I haven't personally seen anything other than on screen, right? Because we haven't been anywhere. Mm-hmm. So the fandom thrives and survives, though I believe. It is amazing how it thrives and survives. And I, you know, I think SG1 that went for what, 11 years, 10 years, 11 years, like that did that, that did a lot of the cementing of, of, of that franchise. And Mm, to me though, it seems amazing that it's 17, 17 years doesn't, I mean, it feels longer to me. It feels like so much has happened. Like it feels forever ago. It feels another Mm. life ago. Yeah. Yeah. Feels like high school. It kind of does. And I, I look at pictures now and I go, I remember I felt old then. And I look at pictures and go, I look like I was 12. I look <laughs> like I was 12 years old. <laughs> That's so true. I felt like I felt like I was old then. And I look back and go, oh, no, I had no idea. I was. Oh my I, God. Knew. No I, idea I actually was 12. <laughs> yeah, you were. Yeah. <laughs> you were. True. Rainbow, how old were you when you started on this show? Were you... 20, 20, 20, 22, 23, 23, 22, wow. 23. Bambino. Me Bambino. too. <laughs> <laughs> it's in vinegar. <laughs> David Hewlett, does it, I mean, do you, uh, He's still um, <laughs> is it, yeah, is it hard to believe for me? Yeah. Is, is yeah. it hard to believe that fans are still into it or is it like, uh, well, you know, it's, it's evergreen. It's, it's always going to be like this. It's funny. It just becomes, I, I mean, it's what I've always said. It's like one of those great things where it's not all the time. Mm. Like it's not everywhere you go. It's just certain places, certain times people will sort of make the connection and you sort of see them do it. Um, and as, uh, as, uh, as Jewel would say, don't make eye contact, don't make eye contact. Um, but, but it's, I always, I really like it because, you know, it's, it's always nice for the ego to have someone come up and say like, Oh, Hey, I saw, you know, I, you know, I, I grew up with this or grew up with your character and stuff. I mean, and also now working with the kids, it's just kind of neat because you suddenly realize that, that, you know, people are 
you know, people are doctors because of because of uh, of, of Beckett, right. or you know, they're they're um, you know they're 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 leaders in science because they saw you know Amanda Tapping and and Stargate and stuff. So it's just kind of neat from that perspective. It's it's almost never a negative thing for me. And the weird I, thing for me is that there's when you have a really? kid, there's like a physical thing that grows. <laughs> Have you also noticed that there's this kind of uh, echo wave sort of uh, reaction to it, depending on where it goes? Like sometimes you start getting fans from Germany and it's like, oh, Stargate must be running in Germany now. Or Right, right. Do that they start hearing uh, it again. Yeah, they do that in Prague. I started getting sort of like a bunch of fan letters from from Czech fans. And it's like, like you said, it's the next generation. And I'm kind of going, what's going on? And some TV station has bought it up and, you know, they're running it. And, and, and so, like that. so there are those kind of reverberations of it. But it's a show that's like 15, 20 years years old now it's a historical you know we were around before the iphone and before any of this was uh <laughs> was going right so it's uh it's and yeah. robert you've been through this before what's your like how do you find all of this well i um because i'm a man of of two allegiances because before because I, I spent seven years doing you know the star trek franchise before i was invited for a one episode heavy on the stargate franchise um I uh, the great I just all I just remember that it qualitatively working on the show was so much looser than you know Star Star Trek is very carefully controlled because it's set in the future and they don't want any hints of you know colloquial language you know expressions whatever but Stargate felt so loosey goosey that it felt like I, it felt like I got out of prison in a way <laughs> you know, we could we could actually ad lib a line. And and nobody, you know, nobody, uh, the office didn't visit the set and, and you know, and say, oh, actually. Oh, they visited. Oh, they visited. They visited. <laughs> well, in, in any case, I, I remember feeling uh, feeling kind of looser. The whole experience was such a gift because normally we audition for every job we get. Mm-hmm. And uh, to actually have kind of come in the side door on Stargate and get asked to do a guest star. And uh, to play a very unpleasant and unlikable character. And then because uh, that night I had dinner with the two producers and they sort of decided that they liked me enough to want to have me back. Then they had to figure out how to take this incredibly one dimensional and unlikable character and sort of try to redeem him somewhat so that he could start coming back. So for me, uh, I was obviously a Johnny come lately to the experience uh, the, everybody was so nice to me, but I never got to work with Rainbow. For example, Rainbow and I had to become friends at a convention, yeah, at a convention, rather than you know on the set. And you know, and I came in just sort of on and off a few times, and then was there just for the last season. But to me, it so I didn't, I don't have all the shared experience that all of my wonderful co-stars have here. But as I said, to me, it was just total fun and uh, mm. and a. Uh, just a, a, you know, not that I didn't like my Star Trek years, I did very much, but it just seemed so much more relaxed. And and because I was more relaxed, I was able to literally laugh at every other thing David Hewlett ever said on the set. <laughs> every other I thing. I did. I mean, every really, well, thing. every other thing. The, the, the 50% of them were hilarious. And the other 50% <laughs> That's it. You talk enough, something's going to be funny. You know? No, but he, he uh, it was a great feeling to actually get cracked up all, all the time. Um, so it was just, uh, I, I remember the fun more than anything. Yeah. We had a lot of fun. It was a, it was a ton of fun. It really was. And it was hard yeah. to keep a straight face. Yeah. At all and times. Some robbers in space. You know what I mean? It was yeah. just like. Well, and the other thing, because it was set in, because it was set in, you know, it was, it's very sort of like 
it was it was of the time so like you didn't as you say robert you didn't have all the 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 techno stuff was all based on it would be our reactions to it if it was happening in the real world now anyway so mm-hmm. i like to think that maybe that the 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 producers realize that this is this is fairy tales these are stories for adults so why don't we at least have fun with it right mm-hmm. humor as a part of the dna of, of stargate is is kind of what set it apart from those kind of more sort of soap opera you know deliver a line big feeling sort of uh sci-fi you know that to have sort of a sense of humor and 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 at the peril that we're in is is good Mm. when you guys came into atlantis uh for those of you who launched it um how did you feel about sg1 which had ran seven seasons how did did you think that this was going to work from the get-go we're going to be doing this for five years uh what were your impressions early on I thought I was going to be doing it for five years. No, I'm just joking. <laughs> I, I, as soon as I saw the set, I thought it was going to be, it was, it was such a glorious set that Atlanta set. It was yeah, so yeah. beautiful. Mm-hmm. As soon as I saw it, I was like, oh, they upgraded from SG1. And I made fun of all the guys for their set because <laughs> they had no AC. <laughs> and it was all cramped. And I was like, look at this. Look at our high ceilings. How beautiful this is. Well, I remember Rainbow being there and you, you're like, oh, this is amazing. That's where I'm going to DJ up there at the party. Yeah. I, bra- I was breakdancing in front of the yeah. gate. <laughs> when you got there, you had the feeling, the distinct feeling, I think all of us did, that this is not going anywhere. I mean, there are building stages like this for it to be one season, you know? Exactly. So was the exciting mm-hmm. part. And especially... Robert Patrick being in, in, you know, in the pilot and it just had a real big energy of this is going to go a while. So like it it had almost like an epic feel like the, certainly the two-parter that we started with, you know, just so many people involved, so many moving parts. So it just felt really special. You know, it was was cool to be part of it. I always assumed we were going to get canceled every time. So that was, I just, I just assumed every year, the only year I didn't think the only year I thought, well, this, there is no freaking way they're not doing season six. (laughs) <laughs> it's the only time i was ever wrong so Tori, oh, right you you had your feet in both worlds you were shooting rising and you were shooting new order yeah it was fun it was it was i think i said this a lot at conventions but it was a really fun experience of seeing the one sort of you know the one set everyone is just relaxed and chill and farting and then our set everyone was nervous and like trying to get it right and frightened <laughs> of being fired and it was these two completely different worlds um they were still yeah. farting, though. They were, they were still <laughs> farting, but we didn't laugh about it. We did it quietly and tried yeah. to, like, tighten our sphincter and hope nobody exactly. else. Exactly. Or blame, blame it on the other it. actors. Yeah. yeah, that's it. <laughs> yeah, that's it. No. Yeah. But, yeah, for me, I mean, I didn't really know SG-1. I had a snobby thing about sci-fi. I didn't like sci-fi. I didn't watch sci-fi. I didn't think, you know, I didn't recognize at the time that I actually had some movies in the past that I loved that were considered sci-fi. Like, I had this very... Um, yeah, small-minded approach to science fiction. So for me, I had no idea what it was all about. And I spent that first, yeah, filming the pilot of Atlantis and then doing the episode of SG-1 at the same time as going home and watching episodes of SG-1, just trying to understand this world. And um, yeah, I don't think I really got the world. I don't think I really got the world until about halfway through and that I didn't really understand. And I think the conventions and the fans made me understand the value of it and made me look at it differently. Cause I think I did have a little bit of a, a studied Shakespeare. What is this? Shit? You know, like I didn't really <laughs> think like, this isn't theater, this isn't real, this is a paycheck and what is, and then you start meeting these fans and you do meet people who say it changed their lives. You meet people and you have that relationship with, 
the audience the same way you have with theater. And then that sort of makes it more immediate again. And you start understanding the value. And then I remember having this great conversation with somebody one night. And the conclusion was, if Shakespeare was alive now, he'd be writing sci-fi. He'd mm. be writing something that was populist, that was acceptable, that was going to be able to create a world that you could talk about politics and you could have a fart joke and you can have like, he, he would be probably writing that format. So that was a really cool learning curve for me. And I had to sort of look at my own prejudices, my own sort of youthful arrogance. <laughs> or he'd be what were the films? Oh, sorry. He'd be putting together serial killer documentaries for Netflix. <laughs> <laughs> what were the films that were sci-fi that you didn't realize were sci-fi, Tori? Oh my gosh, can I even think of it now? I now have dementia, so it's really hard to recall. <laughs> um, I loved you in I Storm of the Century. Yeah, is that considered sci-fi? I I think that it, no, but I mean, I just loved you in it. <laughs> that's that's okay. Stephen I mean, I King. Think, I yeah, I, mean, I didn't love that movie. I, mean, I enjoyed doing that. I loved doing that. That was super fun. But that wasn't yeah, one yeah. of the things I looked at. I'm trying to think of now. What was it? Um, oh my god, I can't recall anything. <laughs> Name a few classic sci-fi's. I'll go well, like 2001 or or, exact, or Blade Runner. Yes. Or... Yeah, the tech Blade war. Blade Runner. I'd never watched, but 2001, absolutely. That mm. was one I watched. You I never loved. saw Blade Runner. I, I never saw Blade Runner. Even though we had that that studio that was sort of shared, right? Didn't we Mm. share Blade Runner with the studio? And I never. That was Blade. No, No, that was Blade. I was. Oh, okay. Also, 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 also sci-fi. Oh, slower. Tori has become quite a nerd. I can tell. (laughs) 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 Tori's like, don't ask me that. I have no idea. (laughs) (laughs) Sci-fi is one of those things that I think is seen as a sort of a, a a. a legitimate genre in many other parts of the world, but North America still struggles with it for some reason. I don't know why, but it's, it's seen as a, it's, I think it's just still seen as sort of wobbly planets and bad dialogue. It's, I think it's changing. It's beginning to change now. It feels like a change. It feels like Battlestar changed it to me. It feels like I I remember feeling this is not, I mean, this is probably not a cool thing to share to be honest Mm. about, but I remember thinking this is not going to help my career. I just moved to LA and I thought doing sci-fi series, is that going to help? my career and I remember thinking mm-hmm. it's not and and then Battlestar came out and all of a sudden it became much you know and I, I think that really helped shift the overall the North American perception of mm-hmm. that was also that was also right around the time when San Diego Comic-Con started to tip into just being mainstream oh, okay. and, and yeah. all of these conventions got upgraded to just being huge and and yeah, and mainstream, and you started seeing a lot of companies starting to pour money into them, and and seeing how much money they could make out of it. I don't think it was right. the perception as much as the 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 perception of the industry. They didn't realize how much money they can make, and once they did, everything sort of shifted. This right. is Absolutely. totally legit. Absolutely. Yeah. Now it's yeah. now it's gone to like superheroes and uh, and that. I mean, the space stuff isn't on that much anymore. Like but it's show. all the same genre. It's all. It's all, what can they capitalize on? Well, they find new ways to reinvent it. I mean, you look at the Mandalorian, Star Wars. I mean, George Lucas himself has said it is not science fiction. It is space fantasy. If you look at at the Mandalorian, it Mm. is a Western. You know, that is what it is. It's it's Lone Wolf and Cub. It's actually Mm -hmm. uh, Japanese. It's Lone Wolf and Cub. As soon as I saw it, I was like, oh, it's Lone Wolf and Cub. Cool. I can watch this. Exactly. But Favreau's a genius. It's 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 absolutely a splendid show to watch. It's so well done. I I love love it. it. I love it. Tori, you absolutely anticipated my question because I was I was curious to know in, in terms of how you all feel about being remembered for this work. Um, and I'm interested in in some of your other uh, folks' thoughts on how how did this affect your careers and as actors and as people? Did it interfere with work later? Did it help it? 
It helped in some How cases, hurt know? in others. Yeah. I mean, okay. I, I think in some cases, I mean, my, like I was told, my manager told me not to do it when I got it. They were, they, they said unequivocally not to do it. And I was like, but you're not a nerd. So the series or 38 minutes, the episode that you were in the, no, the series, the Atlantis okay. the signing on to Atlantis, they thought was a terrible idea. And I, and I, and honestly, it was the best, it was the best thing for me. I mean, it worked out beautifully. You've been for getting, me. you've been getting good advice, haven't you, Dave? <laughs> oh, but this is the, but this is the funny thing I've discovered about the industry is nobody has a clue. Exactly. It is lightning exactly. in a bottle. Things happen by accident. Yeah. Some things take off. Some things don't. Even more now are... than even more than, yeah. than before. You have no idea what's going to go viral because Absolutely. of the shows that have become smash hits. I'm like, what? And no. yet it's yes. an industry full of people who will tell you they know what they're talking about. And that's yeah. the other thing that I've just I, I found the actual content of working on it to be an incredible technical education, like the terms mm. of like hitting your mark and uh, and the way scenes needed to be done and the way you do eight pages in the day and, and how you actually get that done and, and what actually creativity is when you when you are on a, on a, on a schedule. So the, the sort of the technical education as an actor of that was I take took that into all the other projects I did. Uh, since then and still do it's it's it was how to get two of those breakfast burritos in your mouth at the same time quickly <laughs> right. before that first right. scene important. how to get breakfast yeah. before makeup yeah, how to important. talk to the cat before having to go in yeah. all those tricks <laughs> <laughs> and it was the best, best studio because the dogs are everywhere so i just yes. throw that out to the producers like it was crazy our hair and makeup trailer had like eight dogs in it sometimes yeah, yeah. you guys wouldn't you guys wouldn't Bleak recognize Bedwick. it yeah, you guys wouldn't recognize it. I live about like two kilometers away from the studio. Everywhere, it's all it's all parking lots and uh, built up uh, garages now where the uh, mm-hmm. where our trailers used to be, and they've put in extra studios. The bridge has completely been transformed because studio space is such a premium here in the city. So they've they've tripled the the capacity of that uh, mm-hmm. facility. Mm-hmm. Oh, hey, hey, it's Rachel. Good to see you, beauty. Oh my God, you don't look different at all. Not at all. Okay, stop talking about her, guys. She's here. (laughs) (laughs) I'll watch to continue. Oh, hi, Rachel. Oh, hello. It's so great to see your faces. Sorry to jump in. Anyway. Welcome to the party. What are you talking about? Ah, thank you. Bob, I'm going to come to you in just a second. I, I sure. do, I do have a question for you. And then Paul, Rachel, how is Ridley? How are the auditions going? Oh, uh, Ridley's my little girl is blowing my mind. Um, she's currently uh-huh. working on her second feature of the year. Um, oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Uh, <laughs> she just wrapped a, a movie with John Malkovich a month and a half ago, and oh, now wow. she's working with Allison Janney, and she's. Oh. Higher in the cast list than I've ever been. She's number three on the call sheet. So <laughs> I'm pretty, yeah, so she's doing great. That's why, yeah. So I'm up here in support of my baby girl. Um, yeah. <laughs> yeah, so it's great. It's really good. It's good. <laughs> well, I'm glad you could make it to the party. Thank so. you. Are you uh, you're in Vancouver? Are you in Vancouver? I am. I'm in Vancouver. Oh, that's so, so great. Yes, I'm going to get to see Polly and whoever else is up here. Are you done your quarantine mm-hmm. now? Yes, thank goodness. Yeah, we finished Good. on Monday. It was Great. hell. We're all still alive. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> right. Bob, did Bob, did you know what you were getting into with with this thing coming in for the fifth and potentially a sixth season of of, a, of another established sci fi franchise? Did you be like, were you was part of you like, do I really want to be known for science fiction and only science fiction at well, this point? Because that will really cement it. Uh, I think that it's. Uh, 
I think it's good to have had um, a number of credits before you start in science fiction. It was it, for it, I think it's tougher on actors that, um, and I'm not speaking about anyone here in particular, but if you if it's your first major credit, um, mm -hmm. you know, in your uh, in your late teens or early twenties. But I had I had um, already done uh, China Beach and other kinds of you know sort of regular straight on dramatic dramatic <laughs> the howling. Yeah, but Wonder look at the bright side. You're also you're also 25 years, years younger now. I'm sorry. <laughs> Wonder Wonder years. Yeah. No, I had yeah. I had a I had some I had other credits, and I think that that helps you from getting. But but look, let's face it. After seven years on Star Trek in my 40s, I was pegged as a, I was a science fiction guy. There was no there's no turning it around after that. You're you have a dedicated audience that really only knows you from that. So mm -hmm. I had no illusions about that. I had already you know I I and I. It, to me, the interesting thing was to see how the science, science fiction fandom, because most Star Trek fans watch Stargate, and I think the other way around. I mean, there's certain I I am always surprised when I meet a Star Trek fan who's never seen Stargate, and vice versa, because normally there's a certain mm -hmm. amount of crossover. They may have their preference, and I meet plenty of fans that love Stargate and are kind of you know iffy on Star Trek. So it go it certainly goes both ways for me. The odd part was just playing a character, as I said, who was introduced. It was so unpleasant. And then when they said they wanted to turn me into a leader, I thought, everyone hates me. I'm, I have no personality. I'm a coward. I have no leadership skills. And I'm a douchebag. And this sounds said, perfect. Problem. It worked I mean, for me. Perfect well, politician. I, was, <laughs> I wasn't necessarily describing my personal characteristics. It was the character I'm speaking of. But thank you for that. Thank you but, for the clarification. Yeah, we made that distinction. <laughs> But they, but the the writers were very deft in giving me little. I mean, probably the moment when when Rachel's character handed me her baby and I didn't know what to do with it was the was the moment the audience went, okay, this guy's not that bad because he means well, and now he, you know, he has a baby and now he's going to learn a, a lesson here. So uh, I, that to me, to play a character that was basically going to reinvent himself in the later stages of his career was what made it fun, you know. To, to start that job in my middle 50s and have to become a leader at that stage of life, I thought was a good analogy for what was happening after the, you know, the financial meltdown in 2007. There were a lot of people my age and older who had to go back into the work, workforce if they were already retired. Or what, so I thought it was an interesting time to play a character like that in his middle 50s, trying to completely reinvent himself. So that hmm. at least that was the rationale I operated under. <laughs> Rachel, I was asking the others before before you jumped in. Um, when you came into Atlantis, how did you feel about SG One? I mean, it had ran for seventeen seasons. You guys were coming in as the young upstarts, you know, had something to prove. You know, it was it was a little bit more um, all right, more itinerant, less fart jokes, like everyone is saying here. How did it feel to jump into this this whole thing? And with you, it's an alien. You know, I mean, she right. is she is human, but like you said once to me, she is unearthly. Right. Okay. So I'm going to completely embarrass myself and that's all good. I do not care. The truth is I'm not aware. I had seen the movie when I was much, much younger and had loved the movie. I did not know anything about the series. I didn't. I really didn't. I, I came in completely naive. I was, you know, and so, which I think was really, really good because I didn't feel the pressure to you know take on this this enterprise this huge fandom etc i didn't know anything about it honestly 
it took me probably until, I don't know, episode number five before I realized uh, the impact of Stargate. And, and, uh, and I'm happy about that. Um, once I did, um, <laughs> the pressure, the pressure did kind of settle in, but it, but it, but it took a minute. Um, and then of course I was, I was thrilled to be a part of it, but no, I came in completely naive. I, I had no idea. I had method, absolutely no method. idea. Yeah. And I remember our very first convention. Oh my Lord have mercy. Right. Yes. Was that Comic-Con? Was that the that was Comic-Con? Yeah. It was and, crazy. And the studio took us people. out and got us, gave us all free liquor the night before. So I remember oh, yeah. we all had a we were in great moods. Like yeah, yeah. only new actors with free liquor <laughs> yeah. would have. You can always tell season no one. one right? right. I thought no one's going to be at that convention because they're all right. mad at us because they think we're killing SG-1. And then we walked out right. and it was like a football field of people. And yeah. I was so hungover, I couldn't speak. Yeah. <laughs> I remember that so well. <laughs> I convention. just found pictures from that day. Oh, and my, they, oh my we gosh. all look like we're lost. We're looking like ashen-faced, wide-eyed. Oh my gosh, I remember being terrified. I remember sweating so much on stage because I was like, this is going to be kind of... And then like, I was sweating so much that I remember just, I just had to keep my hands plastered. <laughs> Don't raise your hands. So I was like, it was so overwhelming. I had not a clue. You know, I hear this routinely about people who, you know, have... Uh, events in ballroom 20 there and part of me is like why don't they prepare these actors beforehand and then the other part of me is like they wouldn't because they wouldn't up. go out on the stage <laughs> <laughs> no no it was it's listen it's very intimidating it's very intimidating I think the, the thing that you got to get used to or that you, we weren't used to is that i wasn't my moment was in heathrow because I, I didn't go to this one but the, the one in heathrow when i come out in front of 700 people is you have to sort of develop a third person it's like you is your private self, and then you're playing a character, which is what you're doing on on TV. But this is like you and like a, a hybrid version of you, like you on stage and in front of 700, just talking about yourself, like sort of stuff that we're doing now. But when you first start doing it, it's like, what am I going to talk to these people about? What do they What do they want to know? Right? It was. It, it is really daunting. You know, it's it's you got to develop a sort of on stage convention personality, which is like a hybrid between your character and yourself. Good for you, David. I haven't done that yet. <laughs> well, thank you, Rachel. Thank you very much. <laughs> no, I was just always like ter- terrified me. Like every time it's just like, okay, here we go. Yeah. 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 You know, nobody wants to see Bono come out on stage and go, oh, okay, guys, I just sort of, hi, how are you? You got to. Right. They expect you to be on. You got to yeah, yeah. develop yeah. Do a, a trick. Little, a little bit of a routine for yourself, yeah. even if it's loose. It takes That's a little right. while. That's but- it's You're a little right. like stand up. Yeah. Well, I do. Yeah. yeah, I do about ten minutes of stand up before we get started. Usually, you know. Yeah, but we had to learn that. That was something. Yeah, I know when uh, took a you couple years. Train, the actors don't get told you got to go out and do this sort of stuff. You sort of sink or swim, and you realize the kind of questions that you're getting, and you realize, oh, they want to know about the pranks that were on set. Uh, what's it like to this? And then you get used to sort of the pattern that comes with that. But you have to develop that. It's not. Uh, it's not an actor's job. It's a publicist's job. Yeah, and then Holly, you, develop- you mastered that. Paulie and then you developed long form answers for each of those questions. <laughs> I remember one of my first conventions in Germany, and the show hadn't aired yet. And yeah. I was talking to Gerald Rothery, who who is a minister at doing conventions. And we're we're waiting to go on. They're introducing the actress to go on, and I was last. And Terrell's talking to me. I'm like, oh, I'm sweating. I'm like, I'm so nervous. <laughs> I'm so nervous. And she's like, it'll be fine. It'll be fine. 
just go out there and just be yourself. I'm like, okay. And they announce her. And all of a sudden she turns into like the energizer bunny. She jumps. Yeah. She starts like tap dancing on the stage and stuff and people are going crazy. And then they introduced me. And for some reason, my legs would like, I was like, I walked out like, (laughs) and I'm out there. I'm like, hi. And it's like, like they're shutting air. There's like, <laughs> and this, this reporter, this German guy, goes, um, "I have a question for Paul." Like it's after half an hour, I'm like, "Oh uh, yeah," and he goes, "Your character, I, I had a chance to see the pilot is a very humorous character on Stargate Atlantis. You as a person, are you humorous?" <laughs> like, oh my God, I love like, that one. Funny, and he's looked at me, he goes, "Yes," like that. Some of those, some of those European conventions where they're translating you on stage oh are, are just prices. You talk for like you know fifteen minutes, and then the other person goes. <laughs> they do like this five second, you know, rendition. Right. Mm-hmm. Second, doesn't translate. It's like an interpretation of the answer. Jeez, yeah. <laughs> uh, I'm very so thankful to uh, fans who wrote in and submitted questions for you guys. Sarah Johnson, uh, what was a facet of your character that you just loved? or wish you could have explored further? Everything. <laughs> Shocking that you say that, David. <laughs> good answer, good answer. What's not to love? <laughs> um, yeah, I don't know. I mean, listen, I, it sounds cheesy, but I mean, I, I loved what David said. I loved all aspects of Taylor. I loved all aspects. I loved- You can really sing, that's for sure. What's that, you jerk? <laughs> Just be quiet. Circles, circles. <laughs> no one needs to hear what you're saying right now. <laughs> I just, I did. I, I, I loved all aspects of her. I loved that, you know, they managed to craft a character who was strong, independent, intelligent, empathetic, um, and compassionate in, into, you know, a, a woman. You know, in other words, a multi-tiered, multi-leveled, diverse human being she was she was a you know a, a fleshed out human being and that was wonderful to play <laughs> david nickel you know you started off as being kind of um uh mckay's counterpoint in terms of exposition oh really and is that how i started off and in, it, in my it never in really my changed as as a as a viewer come on guys tori tori i can i follow you wherever you're going tori please? <laughs> come with me david my dog's trying to save you Hewlett, he didn't get the black feather, remember? (laughs) Here come the Hewlett questions. It's minute 20. (laughs) Oh, come on. But what I was getting to is that by the end of it, it was this multifaceted, relatable, hysterical character that every every, every time you were on screen, it was like, oh, here he comes. What's he going to say? What's he going to be irritated about now? Or what's, what's he going to have figured out that's going to, to, to throw someone else for a loop? You know, the okay. character really grew over five seasons, pigeons and all. Well, thank you very much for that, David. I'm going to take the high road on this one. Uh, I, I, like, I like to think that uh, I think they developed Zelenka because they didn't want Rodney to do all the tech talk by himself in a monologue. So there was, they wanted a, a dialogue, a little Mutt and Jeff routine. And someone that was funnier and better looking than uh, than than David. So they succeeded really not, well. Not hard to find. With, not uh, hard to with, find. With that, how do you make the green? How do you make the green square come back on you? There it is. That, that was Beckett. 
<laughs> and uh, no, no. Uh, again, this is. I really enjoyed working with David. It was a lot of fun. There was a lot of chemistry, and that was what was really cool. I wasn't in the pilot. I think my first episode was number three or number four or number two. It was called Thirty Eight Minutes, and my first scene was with Tori. So it's a real treat to see Tori because you're someone I haven't seen for a long, long time. So for ages, we, we don't do much convention crossover. No, you and I. No, no, no. I haven't seen you yeah. for for ages. And that was one of the first. That was one of the first scenes I did. And I remember doing this. The, the scene and it was the only scene where I had like a radio I had to actually they didn't have the little the little thingies that I always took home with me and I have a whole shoebox full of because I forgot them <laughs> uh, those things had like a radio and I was like oh please please don't talk to me and that was the first that was the first ever scene I did and just like you described it you know like nervous and I don't know if I'll get hired again and I went to craft services and and, and Brad Wright was there and um I told him, you know, I'm Czech because the character was written as a as a Czech. Did you know that? And he said, Oh yeah, we 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 yeah. did know that. So, I think they sort of were going with gener generic sort of Eastern European. They found out I was Czech. They, they named the character Zelenka, which means green, uh, and uh, threw me in scenes with uh, with with Hewlett, and it was a pleasure. And then they put me in scenes with uh, with Toria, and that was even more fun. And then it was Robert Picardo, and that was even more. And, and then, and then it was Rainbow, and that right, was you got to cross all the bases. We are insecure actors. You can't leave anybody out. Love you all. <laughs> say my name, but that's okay. And Rachel. <laughs> and Paul. <laughs> Whatever. Whatever. <laughs> I think the banter, though, was that they they were good at banter. They loved their banter. It was yeah, always that was fun. I, yeah. I love the scenes whenever you got a couple of characters together, just bantering back and forth. That was the, I mean, that's yeah. like, that was the appeal to game of Thrones for me as well. Or they, they sort of, they, they ran out of time. Apparently they, they made the shows too short. So they had to go back yeah. the first and season dude. and figure out. Right. And that I feel like, I mean, obviously the Stargate guys, we do it longer and they just, they knew that that, you know that you can have some fun with that i mean that's, and that's character really character driven right you can yeah. you can go high concept and space and wormholes and all that but it's it's when you mm -hmm. get behind the characters when you start knowing their story that's what that's what brings you to it yeah all relatable too right everyone everyone can relate to certain characters in the show like all the people like like we you know the fighting character like with ford and then with taylor and then jason when he was on the show too that aspect of it and then you know like david and both david's you know, uh, people could find the character that they related to on the show. And that's why I think people really draw towards it, you know, towards the characters. Yeah. I, I always wish that they uh, did some, I, I, I always wish that Ford would have uh, reconciled with Ronan and they would have had some sort of love affair. I thought that would have been really interesting if they had fallen in love. About ten, you're about 10 years, 10 years too early, though. I think it's a real missed opportunity. Real missed opportunity. Well, I'm sure there's I, out there. I'm sure there's yeah. Oh, well, yeah. slash, yeah. slash yeah. fiction. Yeah. I mean, sure. I made my own. I, I do it in the, in, the, in the same way that Robert Picardo does his YouTube channel. Yeah, oh, Ruben, was, you've had a year. You should be doing fan fiction. Yeah, you know, yeah. It's, yeah. I was always fond of a It's just with a, a dreadlock. Okay, wing. guys. Come okay. On. <laughs> <laughs> David, like, please stop this. How I was I always, this? I was always fond of Ford's relationship with Shepard. You know, there was there was a mentor mentee quality there that even in that single scene, you know, in the beginning of season five, where he's dreaming under all that rubble and he dreams of himself with Taylor, and then Ford just smashes into his mind and said, "Hey, I'm over here. You didn't rescue me. You failed." You're not as oh, perfect yeah. as you might think. That was fun. That was Martin Giro. Just yeah. uh, was like, 
wrote that in was like hey are you in vancouver still do you want to come in for one day i was like yeah i'll take the paycheck let's go <laughs> i would love it but let's not overlook uh ford's relationship with uh paul and rachel man the, you know we we had such a really th those moments were really special to me we had stop laughing we laughed so much. It was, it was so bad, yeah, that, that we almost good. couldn't be together sometimes. Just, <laughs> just yeah. make us laugh. Yeah. Yeah. The jumper, especially the jumper. Oh, Jesus, yeah, the oh jumper. my God. But the thing oh, is, man. I know you guys can all see, you know when they say, okay, like Delouise especially, okay, the, 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 the asteroid's coming at you. We're like, <laughs> oh, no. how big is it? Is it like, is it, how big is it? Or, or Mark Ross, a party. Okay, chief. Okay. This giant thing is coming. You guys jump. And then like someone would jump two feet and the person would be like, Joe would be like, move over like that. A little bit like, that was like, so boring. Do it again, but this time with Alan. That's one of the standard problems when you're, when you get your first job in science fiction is relating to the off-screen visual yes. effect that you'll yeah. never see. And yeah. I remember yeah. on, the first time that happened to me on Star Trek when I was supposed to be battling some monster uh, on the holodeck, and I said, what does it look like? And, and, the, and the visual effects guy, who was a really sweet guy and very shy, kind of said, well, it's sort of like a giant pile of, of glowing linguini. <laughs> and I, I thought about that and I said, okay. Oh, Beowulf. Is, yeah, the does Beowulf the monster. Does the linguini have eyes? Or do I just look at the whole linguini? So apparently, I looked at the entire plate of linguini. But, the, you know, it's like everyone doesn't want to look stupid by going, you know, like with yeah. the reaction shot. But, you, but it, it looks equally stupid if there's this ridiculous, terrifying looking thing and you just look at it and kind of go, eh. <laughs> you raise an eyebrow. Yeah, yeah. So it is a journey of trust you have to have, and that's it, why the second exactly. season is so much easier. Because then you watch mm -hmm. it, and you go, "Oh, those guys know they're they're doing mm -hmm. some good stuff." So now I can really commit without that little bit of pride, mm -hmm. ego getting in the way. Going, do I look like an ass? Yeah, but <laughs> it's an interesting a journey you have to. Yeah, you have to make. You have to have a a leap of faith and a leap of trust. Who among you have uh, re-examined the show? Have watched it since? Um, and how do you feel about the product itself and the quality of the show? How well I started watching it was. I watched it with Baz. So Baz um, wanted to. Do, I think because of the Twitch streaming stuff, he wanted to do. He wanted to do like a. Uh, yeah, basically, I think he wanted the Stargate audience for his Twitch channel. Um, <laughs> but but uh, so I started Sounds watching. Sounds like your it. son. Yeah, doesn't it? It's like it's. I was so proud of him. Um, <laughs> but we started watching it together, and it's so funny because he. Like he would get caught up in stuff that I was surprised at because he's so he's my son. He's so jaded. He's already watching stuff he, that I wouldn't watch. So, I mean, he's and yet there were like he would get caught up in these moments. And I was that I was quite sort of proud that he that he sort of reacted to whether it was my my character or other characters. But um, but the thing that I find so character. Uh, not me. Uh, <laughs> I don't know who his favorite. Character. I, it's a good question, actually. I think always him. said. Yeah, ask, ask him. I'd be really interested in knowing. I yeah. will. I will. Because I, I, I don't know. You're not uh, going to like the answer. He, uh, well, he'll, I, I know what he has to say. Um, <laughs> but he, but, no, he, but his thing, oh, sad. Sedgwick. the best. Yeah, he best would probably character. agree with that. He would agree with that. He's, oh my God, he's a dog fan. Oh, um, I like him. But he, he critiques the, the visual effects, which drives me crazy. Because I'm like, it was, oh. it was, 
was 17 years ago. He's like, yeah, that looks like, you know, and you're like, stop it. My kids don't be watching it because I feel like it's going to scare them. Like, especially the pilot with the Wraith is really scary, right? Mm. So maybe soon, like, they'll start. How old are the kids now? Eight and six. All right, yeah, have no, they expressed my, interest in the material, Polly? They have, yeah, they have. Yeah. But I just, I, I think this year I'll, I'll get them to watch it. I have, all, I'll have all of them, so well, it'll be cool for them to watch it. But it, it, you know, the Wraith is pretty scary, especially in the in the pilot. I think. You know? But that's the thing I'm you've created. Sorry. What now, Rachel? Go ahead. No, I'm just going to say my kids will not watch it. They're just I, oh. I have on occasion said, hey, you know, mommy was in this thing, and they're like, uh huh. Whatever, mom. <laughs> Whatever. <laughs> And and on occasion, you know, it'll come on, and and I'll say, "Hey, that's you know," and they'll watch ten minutes, and they're slowly walking out of the. Really, <laughs> that's because she's yeah, like, "Yeah, yeah, I gotta, I got I gotta prep for John Malkovich." Totally, right? right? Now. Just <laughs> <gone>. <laughs> yeah. Oh, did you do a show? That's nice, mom. That's yeah, that's basically bad. That's wild. They'll discover yeah. it. I don't know, twenties, <laughs> and be like, "Oh, mom is." They couldn't care less right now. Really, but the fact that you guys created a show that your kids can enjoy. And that mm. you're like, well, yeah. but when yeah. you're 18, no, they can enjoy it now Good. as yeah. long as they're ready for like things like the fear factor for the race and things like that, you know, because there are, there are some, there are some frightening elements to it. Yes. Yeah. It'll be cool. Yeah. I'm looking forward to it. I'll, I'll see if they watch it. Like Rachel said, you never know what they're going to do. Right. You know? Yeah. yeah. I try not to force it. Like if he doesn't yeah. want to watch it, I don't, we don't do it because I, just, don't want I feel like I yeah. try to force them. <laughs> Like, yeah. <laughs> sit down. I got the popcorn. You uh, Stargate night. No. <laughs> yeah, exactly. uh, Dad. Yeah. <laughs> you're you're watching, you're gonna like it. What's that? Mommy's pulling out the fighting sticks. Let's go. Yeah. <laughs> oh, watch this part, son. Watch this part. I'm great here. Oh, <laughs> uh, we didn't make it past ten minutes. That's okay. Can you can you show your son that you can speak just as quickly now as you could 17 years ago, David? Or yeah, pretty well. He yeah, he's he's although he, the point now is that he just ignores me. It's amazing. I blow up. I do full McKay on him, and he just laughs at me. <laughs> well, I did too. <laughs> Look at looking back at episodes like Satita which was just like a powerhouse for Jason Momoa hmm. or the scene Ooh. of, of yeah, right. That one guy or the scene Whatever of happened to that guy. Uh, who knows? <laughs> I think he actually left Atlantis and then came back King. That's right. <laughs> or the scene of, of, of Rodney and Shepard on the pier, you know, that wonderful episode uh, that Brad Wright wrote. It's, it's an impressive body of work. There, there are some scenes between, between, um, uh, Taylor and and Weir that are just so tender. Mm-hmm. I mean, you you could see the subtext here that there was you know these two were friends outside of just um, uh, Weir's office hours. You know these these they were, were people that had buddies. lives that I'm I was surprised. I would suspect. I'm glad you got that vibe. I didn't yeah. know that that was because I remember we were always fighting for more. We were always wanting. I always wanted Taylor to teach Weir how to fight yeah. and right. and. Um, yeah. Right. And, and I, so I'm, I'm really appreciative that that's, that was as an audience that you received that. A lot of us did. No, we got that. That she would, when the military comes in to take over for like the second or third time, the person that she goes to is Taylor. And that was the only explanation Mm -hmm. for me was that she, she wanted, she wanted a peer who she respected. And that's, Mm -hmm. that's why that scene plays as well as it does, you know, where, where we can feel comfortable with enough saying, you know what, Taylor, I may not be here next week. 
I, I don't think that I can keep on doing this. And where she was, you know, she felt like she could be in a, in, in a, uh, a position where there wasn't any, any judgment from, from this person who was from another galaxy who could, as another leader, leader to leader, could get where she was coming from. Mm. You know what? I think so much of that is because we all just had the most terrific cast. I mean, honestly, we got along with each other organically, mm. easily from the get-go. Mm. So I think that that just translated. It just carried forth into what we brought on screen. We were very, very lucky. You know, that doesn't always happen. But it, it happened. It was care about people. Right? I mean, it yeah. just it just happened. I mean, I, I had a fantastic relationship with Tori. Um, and that just carried forth into, you know, our characters. And I'm, I'm, I'm thrilled that, you know, that as you said, that as an audience, you were able to see that. But I really do think that that just came from the fact that we all genuinely enjoyed being around each other. Mm. What memories do you have of each other that stick out after all this time? I keep going back to that okay. damn puddle jumper. They're running yeah. into the puddle jumper to see who's going to get what spot. And then the, the <laughs> jostling around okay. over who's over where the seats are. And I mean, that was, they were always like these or those, or those damn, the scenes in the, in the, in the control, in the, um, yeah. In the border. Yes. In the border. Yes. Or who's going to fold their arms. Oh my God! Yeah, it was just <laughs> yes. Who has the folded arm thing? Or don't forget the, the tables in the control room. Whenever there was an evacuation, they had that freaking thing that stuck out oh the side God. of it that would get you right yeah. in the lower. Right. I'm amazed that I had a child. The number what of times the, I walked into that. What house. the actual? Yeah, like that. How to design a how to design a a, a room? That, and yeah, you put the control room at the top of the tower where it's going to get bombed the most. I don't know. <laughs> I think people had a sense. The, what I loved about it was that the the, the cast all had a sense of humor about it like i mean they all everyone i mean they took it seriously enough to do the job well but mm -hmm. at the same time we we just like man we laughed like we just honestly with all the stuff i remember it's just like those yeah. like belly laughs where you just you can't stop and you're like and you're feeling so fortunate for having a job like, such a great job and you know you're in this i vancouver was fairly new to me and mm -hmm. and it was just like i it was just an it feels like a it's like a weird dream like you know it's uh um yeah it was it was just honestly i think i think remembering the laughing was the was the best part goran goran andanowski said the the caliber of he asked the caliber of, of guest stars you had over the years um was ridiculous the people that you were able to get i mean from robert patrick all the way down um were you surprised at that and who are you still proud to have worked with richard kind richard kind was a lot oh, of richard kind yeah Bob picardo Funny, Bob Picardo. Bob Picardo was he on that show? Yeah, brilliant. <laughs> well, Neil deGrasse Tyson. I mean, um, uh, you know, Bill Nye. I mean, Jesus, it was, it was. Wow, when did those guys come Robert in? Season five. Yeah. Robert Davi. Yeah. <laughs> Robert Davi uh, was. Oh, come on now. Come on now. That was. <laughs> I, I did not. I did not enjoy that. He's a <laughs> He's just we started. Act, I had to first scene with him, and then of course I. I don't normally talk with Scottish accent. I started acting. He's. We're in a prison cell. It was in Richard Kind's episode, and he comes up, and I start talking with the Scottish accent. And he just like, he freezes. He's like, "Are you? What are you doing?" I'm. I'm. You speak like that? You're Irish? I go no. Oh God! Oh yeah. yeah, yeah. 
I'm like, oh my god. <laughs> I mean, like, we hated each other from the moment we met. It was oh, just yeah. we never got along. It no, was just. I didn't, yeah. I didn't enjoy him at all. I did like uh, Colmini. Yeah. Oh, oh, oh my god! Oh, lovely. And what a legend, like, loveliest like, guy. Yeah, so lovely. I was very like no like, ego like, whatsoever. Or Dave Ogden Steers. Remember, oh, man. Beautiful. Oh my God. Charles Emerson Winchester the third. Your scenes oh, with yeah. him, Tori, were dynamite. Oh. I just rewatched them a, a bit, few days ago. I was a bit starstruck. He yeah. was the best. best. Dude. I was he was lovely. Yeah. He yeah. was so lovely, so kind, so sweet, so grounded. Mm. Yeah, that was fun. Drove himself cool. up from Seattle. Yeah. They're like, we'll Did get you. Really? He was like, no, I'll drive. He drove himself. Uh-huh. Yeah. Oh, uh, Robert Patrick. That. That's right. Robert David, David Reed, I have a question for you. How many okay. times have you watched Stargate? <laughs> the whole the, the whole franchise from beginning to end in sequence or just the, an average of every episode? I think you've answered the we question. Both answers. Both, both answers. answers. Both <laughs> answers. <laughs> I've watched it order, from please. beginning to end about three times. I've watched every episode on average around three or four. Wow. wow. Yeah. yeah, not as cool. many as you might think considering, you know, 20 years of this, but yeah. it's a good show, guys. You did well. And you've got a good memory because I can't remember. Well, that's the thing. I, well, when you <laughs> like, sit down wow. and you watch something with the intent, at least for me, when, when you sit down and watch something with the intent of, okay, I, I want to recall this later. It, I put mm. My brain puts the information in, a, in just a different place. So at least it does for me. But yeah, um, I just can never find that place. That's the problem. <laughs> there you go. I don't know. Some of those lines of dialogue. Holy crap. I would stand on set behind the scenes and you know atlantis is floating through space and uh shepherd is is chewing you out over something i'm like how does he do this take after take after take he has stored that information in a very special spot and it's it's like this 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 very it's like ram you know in in his computer it's it will exit and then more information will come in for him to repeat again and again i always like jason's comment on that where he said he said you think it's hard to remember all those lines you know try listening to them <laughs> I also remember over like and seeing, over it, again. seeing it recently. Like I'm struck by how the tech was uh, dated. I remember when they first told us that like that, that, that Atlantis is going to be paperless and that we're going to be carrying on these 25 pound laptops that are meant to look like iPads, like screens. You know those yeah, those, those heavy dude. things. And that was now you re, you rewatched that. We're sort of poking into those things just yeah. before. Remember when Joe Flanagan showed up with the first iPhone and he had like this beer oh, app on, yeah, it, like a glass of beer oh, and you drink that. it, and we're like. What is this? <laughs> Carrying around twenty-five pound Hewlett Packard laptops, right? So that you know, the, the tech in it is is kind of well. So are you, Hewlett, because you insisted yeah. on no styluses. You said no. I, we're we're not going to do styluses. This is not going to be the thing in the future. We're going to no. I said fingers. I wasn't going to do a stylus. I just I the idea of I because I don't have that kind of I don't I'm just not that dexterous. I can't. Yeah, you don't need that. Shit. Pulling out the little pencil out. I was like, screw that. I'm just going to hit it with my fingers. Yeah, and that. And strangely, that was prescient in that that's what the iPad became. But it, yeah, we it, invented the iPad. We invented the iPad. That's true. <laughs> and that's Bob Picardo, you know, he goes from pads and tricorders to writing with the pen and, and paper in every scene. He's got folders in front of him. He's so completely retro. Was, it was great. No, I loved it. I love being back to, uh, to pen and paper. I was thinking the main difference on, on Star Trek being the master of my sphere of, of knowledge, being the doctor on that show. I, I was the guy who had to spew the techno babble, right? Mm, the captain, right. the boss comes in, the captain comes in and it's like, here's your report. And I would do the page and a half of, you know, of yeah, real science, but extrapolated. Ladies and, then, and gentlemen, course- we have an actress present. This is Ridley. We're going to have a oh, great Ridley. goodbye. Hey, Bye. Ridley. Uh, 
Uh, hey, Ridley. These are all Mama's old friends. Not old, literally, but. Oh, yes. No, I remember no. your Oh, we'll friends. take it. Oh. <laughs> Very old. Oh, well, gosh. Rachel, it's been uh, such so a pleasure to, to have you. you. It's been so great to see all of you. I. I miss I miss it. I miss you all. I think I think so highly of every single one of you. And um yeah, it's been it's been a pleasure. It's been a pleasure. Good I miss Good luck, Rachel and Ridley. Good luck. Good luck. Great to Love see you, Rachel. Good luck, Ridley. Hey guys, We're never gonna get the dirt on John Malkovich now. Yes. <laughs> Great stories. Thank you, Rachel. Thank you, Ridley. My pleasure. Bye. Bye. See you guys. Bye. Bye-bye. <laughs> I wanted to know, were you guys expecting any of your characters to hook up? And I if said so, yes, me and Jason Momoa. <laughs> still waiting. Yeah. There's a fair amount of subtext in a lot of these episodes. Um, Tori, it was, it was, I mean, it was looking like with Flanagan for a while there. And then, you know, with Rachel and Flanagan. And I was like, well, you know, maybe that's going to be, I mean, Hewlett, we had, we had, you were engaged at one point and then that fell through, you know? Yeah, then, then they never explored that at all. That was so weird. <laughs> um, Jason let me put his wig on that was as intimate as we got <laughs> <laughs> Ooh, that's pretty intimate that's yeah pretty it, was pretty cool. it was still warm yeah. I remember Zelenka was pretty Zelenka was pretty sexless there was nothing no nothing no indications of any sort of interest that way anywhere in the scripts <laughs> I could have seen him down. I could have seen him having a, a pining for Sam Oh yeah, the elevator scene. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh-huh. Wow, yeah, that was yeah. Yeah, there's a there's a little bit of a sexual subtext there, just a small one, but it's funny. It's it's what adds humor to the scene. Okay, so it was humor. All right. Well, <laughs> I mean, you gotta start somewhere. So Yeah, the only person I got kissed was David the entire five years. <laughs> the first they sing uh, at that time they you. called it the first male on male kiss in sci-fi, right? It was like it a wasn't, big was deal. It? Uh, <laughs> it may have been the world I, I, I has changed. Row, I had front row seats to it. It certainly happened several yeah. times, over and over again. It's crazy how you know we we think that they're going to go with one way and then they go with another one. I one of my favorite episodes is uh, 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 one with uh, had a lot of action, uh, physical action between between. That's what, I was wondering where you were going with that. Weir and <laughs> Shepherd called the, the long goodbye. Oh, I love that one. That was that fun. was so cool. You know, you get that taken over by other personalities that decide. Well, Atlantis is their last battlefield. Yeah, that was fun. I had a lot of fun in that one because I was always like, I was always felt left out, right? You guys yeah. all got to go in the puddle jumper mm. and have adventures, and I was like acting by myself in my room. Mm. Everybody, you got thirty minutes left. Like I just felt so dis. It, yeah, which was hard, right? Because you went, oh, you want to be a part of it. So that was fun for me because, yeah, you sort of felt in the middle of it and had some action. And and I came from a kind of a respectful sea movie action past. I'd done a lot of C movies, not even B movies, like C action films, straight to video when that was a thing. So I'm like, oh, it's been a few years since I got to carry a gun. Got to kick ass. Got to kick ass. You did a great job. <laughs> Fun. Do you guys, Eva Lipinska, do you guys ever remember working so hard on a scene or a line of dialogue only to find out later that it didn't make it? All the time. All oh, the time. Wow. I, the ones that used to piss me off were the ones where you'd like do these huge, long dialogue scenes. And then when you watch the show, you were an ant like a million miles away. They were doing <laughs> some big, wide tracking shot. And you'd be like, what? Like, I could have freaking dubbed that later. You could have been <laughs> reading it. And yeah. the coverage is on everybody else but you. Yeah. <laughs> oh. Well, that happened with you, Paul, a lot. But that was a different <laughs> thing. <laughs> <laughs>
You just like to hear my dulcet tones. In uh, Mariotto Party and Letters for Pegasus, he had me um, uh, memorize the monologue in uh, Czech and in English. I did both of them. And when we did the setup, we did one take in Czech only, forcing the hand of the editors so there was never an English version for him to use. So mm. he kept that in there. So stuff like that was 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 done all the time. Wow. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And you know, that that was one of the, the running gags about the show was what's what's being said on this screen here that we're um, it, that in uh, in the Czech Republic would be censored. Everything, everything, everything. <laughs> I, I said the worst. It was great. Oh my <laughs> I remember they cut out one part when we did the episode with uh, on on with Richard Kind, the first one. On, yes, irresistible. Irresistible. And it Joanne, beats me. <laughs> yeah, in, in the puddle jumper, and then I'm 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 handcuffed, and Joe kidnaps me, sort of. And at the end of it, like he he punches me, says "buck up, Carson" or something. But actually, yeah. when we shot it, I had Joe. Um, I go, "Would you mind?" And I, had, I made him take a Kleenex out of my pocket and blow my nose for me. But <laughs> he cut it out, and I was like, "So funny, you know." Uh-huh. Yeah, but Joe actually, I made him do it. He did it, actually. One of my favorite Woolsey episodes <laughs> is Remnants with Anna Galvin. And, you know, he he's he falls in love with, a, not really in love, but has, there, there's a, there's a, a, an exchange between him and, a, and, a, and a, a probe that has been dormant at beneath the ocean for how many eons. And I hate when that happens. And those are the only ones really attracted to me, are those dormant probes. Yeah, those dormant <laughs> probes. Yeah. Yeah. Well, you know, they're either... You've heard still, still waters run deep. So. Well, they're either, they're either taking you over at, because they're a nuclear warhead. Yeah, or, or exactly. It's, no, or it's I, a I, I did, it was the same. We did the same plot on Star Trek, except I was the, I was the probe on Star you know. <laughs> I had to, they were too cheap to hire a guest star. Wait a minute, we've got this We've got this uh, artificial intelligence who's also a walking bomb. We were going to get a guest star, but we just thought we'd make you do it. Oh, you ate that up. Don't you lie. <laughs> no, it was, it was a lot of yelling. It was a lot of angry screaming. Um, no, she was lovely, and yeah. that was a lot of fun because Woolsey, even though he was a man of a certain age, he still had a, a little uh, – he had a little – it piqued his interest to have her flirting with him until he discovered that, of course, she was only uh, an avatar, really, for mm. – for an artificial intelligence. What are you going to do? It happens all the time, fellas. So, my <laughs> favorite gag, my favorite gag they did on the show, I couldn't believe that I talked them into doing it, but they seemed to like it. In the show Vegas, um, we're having a discussion. We're looking for a, where can an alien hide in Las Vegas? And somebody added, the, I mean, I suggested they add the line, what about Star Trek The Experience? And then it cuts to me and I go, no, it closed. I was I was the, I was one of the two rides at Star Trek. It was an attraction. It, yeah. I was an attraction. So I begged them to do that, and they and then I thought, well, it'll get cut out, but it didn't. It's in the show, uh, and they you and just never know. And they didn't get sued apparently because I thought, well, maybe Paramount will never mind. But nah. I thought it was. Uh, I, I was proud of them for keeping that gag in. For those of you who are on board at the end of the series, were you surprised when it didn't go for a? sixth year and what would you have wanted to see in a season six inquiring minds want to know yeah i was i was surprised i i was yeah. as i say it was the first year that i thought for sure we were going to do another one like i really did it just seemed like why well, is I, that was that because weir wasn't in it no <laughs> i don't think it was that um no just because it was like you know how i guess Gory. I, I, because they were doing they were talking about starting up another show they were talking about you know they were they it just seemed like I assumed that they were just going to do what they did before, like overlap. It just, it worked well before. Um, I just assumed they were going to do that. So I was on, I, that was truly, I was surprised. Like, um, uh, you guys knew weird. they were 
you knew they were putting together universe that last I don't know if we season? did we know about universe I don't remember but I, I it just it I can't remember now mm. I honestly don't remember mm. but it just I remember being pretty like confident it was gonna go and um which is weird because mm. I don't normally well as I, was, I say yeah I was brought years. in specifically to kill the franchise so um, <laughs> The fact how, that many times, to, how many times have you done All that? the time. I can't tell you how many times. Yeah, sure. They said things are going really well with Tori, but let's bring Picardo in. He'll kill the show. And I did. So, so you, don't, you don't jump the shark anymore? You jump Picardo? Is that the... Uh... <laughs> <laughs> no, I, I, uh, I, heard, I only listened to what others were saying, and people seemed... I mean, first, I, I remember Joe early on seemed like he didn't think it would go on. Then he was sure that it would go on or something. So mm. I heard people change over the course of the year, change their thoughts. And yeah. I got, I definitely got the feeling from the, you know, from some of the executives on the show that they thought it would go on another year mm. or that mm. we'd at least make a, a movie or two to, you know, to sort of wrap things the up. The actors are always the last to, uh, to find mm-hmm. out. Yeah, I came, uh, I came to the set and course. Chuck told yeah. me, I remember Chuck was standing and then it's like, oh, oh. Over. <laughs> I think I heard on Twitter. Yeah. Was Twitter? Yeah, a lot of people found out on Twitter. Yeah, that's true. Twitter just Twitter found out. I think. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Wow, that's disrespectful. It's how information moves these days. Isn't that weird? Uh, yeah, but, you'd think that they would call you. Yeah, it's it, it was a weird one though. I don't know. Like, is there a good way? It's like it's like there's no good way to break up. You know what I mean? Like, there's no. The fact of the matter is, it's like I I, I think no one. I don't think anybody. I think there's no even right the producers were caught off guard. I think yeah, Bob's I, them were like they had they were gonna go with the season six, right? And that's as far as I they know. They had plans. Yeah, yeah. They had they were laying seeds in five for six. The Asgard yeah. were gonna probably be back, you know, in some fashion. You know, you had a whole kind of whole list, but, laundry list of things to but do. But isn't it possible that that there um that the the guarantee, the two year guarantee for the new show for Universe may have had something to do with it? That's what I heard, but I, I don't know. Who knows? I mean, I everything's like hearsay for my. I I don't know anything for sure. I'll ask Brad. On, I'll ask. I'm talking to Brad on Monday apparently for his. Oh, yeah. What's this? And what's all the scuttlebutt about it? About a new thing now that Amazon's bought it. So Brad is still uh, in development of his show that he's been working on for for two years now. I've just I've been calling it SG4, you know, because mm-hmm. we want we all want it to be a continuation of the continuity. Uh, if if Amazon is um, fast tracking it or not or whatever, we don't know what's going on. So I'm just one of these people who have been telling everyone, let's wait and see. Uh, you know, Brad and the folks that are involved. You know, when, when it's time for us to start pushing it, they'll let us know. You know, if there is, if there is anything, but I mean, with Amazon picking this thing up, there's going to be something Stargate at some point in the next few years here. It's just a matter of time. Yeah. I mean, like, I I can't imagine it having, having certainly me in it, but, but it, but it, I, I, I just seems like crazy not to have, like, it's such a iconic franchise. Franchise, I, I can't imagine why they wouldn't like relaunch it in some way, shape or form. You know, it's been really fun though. I played the RPG game. Rainbow, have you tried that? Uh, it's based on the fifth edition Dungeons and Dragons, and it's really oh, yeah, fun because they're doing it. They're set yeah. up like Rainbow was with, with you. you. Yeah. Oh, you did it as well. Oh, right. Okay. Yeah. Good, good, good. Okay. Right. Okay. All right. I, I, you were the oh, two. That's in right. It. That's right. Of yeah. That. Yeah, that's actually fun. incredible. Yeah. It's that incredible. Was, that's been really fun. Honestly, of all of the Stargate stuff to come out since Stargate, that's the most exciting thing to me. And what you pick like a character, and then you play as that yeah. character. The Stargate SG One role playing game. It's coming out later this year, and but it's designed in episodes. Really fun. 
it's yeah, it really, really is. fun. I had I, oh. I had like no preconceived notion of what it was, and I had never played D and D, but I had always wanted to. And when we did it, I was I had I had the time of my life. Did you get I, to I play as yourself, one, Rainbow? Right? Yeah. Did you play no, as yourself, it's, Rainbow? It's season I, six, SG one. No, you you pick your own characters. So it, and it's it's set in a on a. A fictitious, uh, like outside of the beltway of content in season six of SG1. It's called Phoenix Site, and you create a new character. David Nickel, I tried to get you on. I think you would love it. Tori, I think you would enjoy it too, and Paul and Bob. It's actually video games. That's not what it is. That's not what it is. It's Dungeons and Dragons. It's all imagination. It's super fun. You would have a game master there who takes you through the story. You don't need reaction time to play this game, right? No. Right, because I no, draw no. the line at that. It's, yeah, it's actually, a good one for us, Bob. Actually, what? Robert, you'd love it too. It's kind of fun. It's it's just it's 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 Dungeons and Dragons. It's like it's like you're you know you enter a cavern. Where do you and people yeah, are what like do you do next? voices and stuff and yeah, it's I mean, very fun. Turn I didn't realize Rainbow, I didn't realize you hadn't played it before because you were like you did the we did the first. Mm-hmm. I couldn't I, do the second one, but I did right. the second one as well. I yeah. did the second yeah. one as well. We'll yeah. have the third I, one later this year, The Butcher of Abydos Part Two, and it's fantastic. Yeah. They have, yeah, they have still, great game actors. Butcher of Abydos. Right. <laughs> yeah. So we had Alexis Cruz in a scene and Scara in the same scene. And it, that, was, that was real trippy. <laughs> yeah, he had to talk to nice. himself. It was interesting. Right. Oh, pay attention. <laughs> yeah. I, am. I appreciate you guys joining us. This has been fantastic. Um, my father and I, we are fairly different people. And one of the few things that we've always had in common is science fiction. My family would get together, we would watch your show and we'd be teleported away one night a week. And it helped improve us as people and as human beings. Can you tell us briefly an experience that you've had with a fan where it helped shape your life for the better? Where it helped the show helped shape their lives for the better. Your character, Atlantis, helped them push, give them a push to what they needed to do or what they were called to do. So I still get lots of amazing letters from um mostly young women. And I remember being very jealous during Stargate because Rachel got all these wonderful letters from people going, you're so hot. And I was like, I don't get any you're so hot letters. But it took a few years before I got all these letters from these young women. And it was so beautiful and very moving and very surprising. I just didn't, because to me, I grew up, you know, sort of in the 70s. So there's a lot of strong women on television in the 70s. There was a great, and then at this time, 20 years ago, kind of the strongest woman on television at that point was Lisa Simpson. Like there was this very sexualized thing going on with women and you couldn't, you didn't have very many strong women who weren't sexualized on television anymore. Mm. So I, once I made that leap, I, I felt really grateful for being that voice. And I, I still get letters from women, a lot of gay women that felt very empowered by having a woman who had power and was, was leading with her heart, not her sexuality or, or using that as a access to power and that was really moving and I've also met so many young women who said I went to study um, political science because of Weir like I feel very honored that I got to play Elizabeth Weir I think she was a very cool character and I'm so grateful for those guys for writing her because she was necessary and she was she was an honor to play and to this day I'm still moved by the number of young women that that are grateful for her and grateful mm. for her giving them a sense of power and a, and a voice. So I think one of the most amazing legacies uh, to, to echo what Tori is saying is, is uh, I think what we brought to everyone and you see this as you go uh, to different conventions all over the world is companionship. So I think mm. we were in people's living rooms and we were in, in people's bedrooms and people that don't necessarily, you know, didn't have friends or, or, or a community back sort of in the early days of the internet. 
And uh, the fandom really brought that together. And that's, that's, I think the biggest legacy of that is the people that come up to me and say, just countless personal stories, uh, health stories, related stories, but just how sort of the companionship of having these friends come into your, your house mm-hmm. every week sort of got them through tough times. And now it's generational as David yeah. alluded to earlier, David, you let that, you know, you start, you know, the kids come up and says, I always watched it with my dad, or as you just said, David. Mm-hmm. So that, that sort of stuff is, it really is humbling because I, you know, you kind of go and you do a scene and you come home and you, you wash the dishes, right? You don't have really any kind of sense of where it's landing when you're doing it uh, until you go to these conventions and you see that you've, you've, you've helped sort of provide companionship for people all over the world. And that's cool. That's very yeah. cool. I just want to jump in quickly and amend. I know Rachel also got lots of fan letters from young women saying, we love your power and your strength and your intellect. She was not just a sexualized character. I just want to amend that. I oh, absolutely. <laughs> I never had anything that came off of my character so much, but I will say that doing the conventions and being that all of us have uh, sort of been, as opposed to other shows, we're quite accessible. Uh, I find that we're, we 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 are are very accessible to the people that watch the show, our friends, the friends of the show, and I certainly am. And because of the interactions and because of my openness, you know, I deal with uh, a heavy amount of depression in my life, and I've always been quite open about it. And uh, I've been lucky enough to talk with a lot of fans. So not so much the character, but the show has allowed me to have an open discussion with fans about what they're going through. And so I've been able to help them and they've been able to really help me over the, the past forever um, to get through some really hard times, you know? And so I'm really, really grateful for that from the show. So it wasn't so much Ford, but Ford was definitely the, the catalyst and the conduit for that. Um, yeah. I appreciate what Rainbow said so much that mine is, is probably going to, my answer will sort of pale, I guess, by a comparison. When I think of the influence that you're, I, I have many more stories, obviously, from my years on Star Trek, because I did, because I was there so much longer, as far as people being influenced to go either in the medical profession, um, or even people that became EMTs or nurses or whatever, some, some aspect of medicine, or uh, were inspired to go into some aspect of space exploration. Mm. My experience on Stargate Atlantis was obviously shorter, but because I began as a just a recurring guest star who was a very unlikable person, very kind of, you know, combative and judge, uh, <clears throat> judgmental, whatever. And then, and then once the producers, for whatever reason, decided to try to turn me into a leader, the nice comments that I have gotten from people was about that aspect of the character development. They all start by saying, I hated your character, or I didn't like your character at all. And then I was surprised to see how you became a leader or how you navigated those changes or whatever, which was really, you know, the writers were very clever in that they had the, how they had the audience open their heart to this character. Cause he really, really was when especially on S, uh, on um, Stargate SG-1 he was really had nothing likable mm. about him not a shred of, of compassion or humor or nothing so the fact that that uh, if 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 I've gotten anything it's from people I guess it, appreciating the fact that he was redeemed so mm-hmm. to speak after being such an unredeemable human being mm-hmm. the first outing <laughs> so that 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 would be you know. he was always a seeker of truth yeah. 
you know, I mean, yeah, he no, was that was the one thing and, he had. Yeah. yeah. The one thing he had was that he believed that, you know, that the, that the, there had to be oversight of the mm -hmm. secret military. Op so, yes, you're right. He had that one positive quality. If mm -hmm. that's a, yeah. It was great to see everyone. And thank you. You know, thanks. It's just I, I'm very fond of all of you. And mm -hmm. I really wish that we had done this sooner. All right. <laughs> Thank you so much, my friend, for stopping by. And congratulations. Thank you. Thank you very much. I'm so glad that's happened for you. Thank you. Love you all. I hope to see you again in the flesh. Yes. Be safe. Enjoy the rest of your pandemic. Yeah. There's that. Paul and Dave? Hewlett? Sure. Okay. I mean, I think... I'm very much of the of the of the rainbow on this one. I feel like I feel like there's I get I'm very lucky that a lot of people do come up and say like you know I'm in I'm an astrophysicist because of this or I'm a I'm a you know I'm at NASA. I mean those kind of things are yeah. are wild. Right. But I I can't I can't so I, I don't I feel like the the thing that's hit me the most is is the accessibility is what I've been able to do because of Stargate. The people who I've met who I never would have met without Stargate. Yeah. I mean. You know the tech bandits thing's been really interesting for me because because basically what I've been able to do is is take all of those people who've gone on to do things who are influenced in some way shape or form from the Stargate stuff um, and and sort of mine them for information for the next generation right so it's I I, I love I love the access it's it's given us um, I mean and especially I'd be very lucky with McKay because because of the science angle I just I've I've been able to explore all this like stuff that I. I find fascinating and, and I just, I never would have been able to do that without the show. I mean, I just, they just wouldn't, it wouldn't exist. So it's, it is amazing that the number of people who still come up and say like it's affected them in some way, shape or form. Um, but honestly, I think it's probably affected me more than, any, more than any of the people that they, I mean, it, just the, the change in my life since that has been you know, extraordinary. So you know. blessed one. Yeah. Paul McGillian, you always had, you know, Carson so often reflected the, what the audience was feeling. And I, I suspect you had to get that in response from fans. Uh, yeah, a lot. I mean, it was, it was such a, a lovely character to play, you know, and I think um, he kind of wears heart on his sleeve a lot, you know, mm -hmm. and it was so mm -hmm. sweet. And what, mine's more of a little, a little fan. I think I've told it before, but we were in Ireland and I was at a, in Dublin at a comic book signing, a place called uh, forbidden planet. And this little, I love little kids and stuff. And this little boy was in line and, he had a little toucan and every time I looked up, he was like, you know, give me a thumbs up. And he finally got up to the table and he, he said, Oh, Mr. McGillian, I'm so happy to meet you. I just love Dr. Beckett. I want to be a doctor someday. I said, Oh, that's, that's great. And he goes, and I said, what, what, uh, so lovely to meet you. What can I get for you? And he goes, Oh, nothing, sir. I just got a piece of my birthday cake. I just turned 11 and he gave me his cake on a, on a, on a napkin and <laughs> he walk, goes to walk away. I'm like, Whoa, 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 get over here. I go, you can pick a, pick a picture for your birthday. He goes, Oh, sir, we don't have any money. And his mom was standing close by. And I could just see, you could just tell, you know, they didn't have any, a lot of money. And I said, this is for your birthday. It's a gift from me. And he, the little face on him, it like broke my heart. Mm -hmm. And he goes, well, last, and he had to ask his mom if it's okay. And I said, it's okay if I give him a picture. And she looked at me and she gave me a little nod, you know, and it was okay. And he picked a picture and he, he was, he just took it as he walked away. He was just holding it, looking at it. And it just said to me, like, what an impact you can make and you don't even yeah. realize it you know and a little guy like that you know and you just he was so happy and that's i think uh a testament but, but how was the cake <laughs> I, 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 I bet it was good it. 
<laughs> but you know, it was just so sweet. You know, what a little what a little guy and just make make his day. You know, over his, over something over or over a television show. You know, and yeah. and I think that's what Stargate does. Like you know, all of you have mentioned different things, but it, it did bring it does bring families together. And mm-hmm. you, you mentioned you see all the different people that grow up with the show. And that's the, the that's what makes it so special, you know, and special mm. to be part of. And intimately, right? Intimately, yeah. we're not in a movie; we're in their living room. We're in yeah. the room, right? Every week and consistently yeah. too. That's another thing; it, it happens every week, right? You get a yeah, it's like a relationships. Do not underestimate your contributions to people's lives. I mean, I, I like like Rainbow. I have struggled with depression all my life, and all of you. I mean, I am so blessed to have all of you in in my life in one form or another. I love you guys. You have been, you know, it's, it's been so good uh, growing with you over, over these, these past years and continuing to share what uh, was such an important chapter in science fiction and, uh, and a quality show that made us think and made us wonder and made us ask those questions. Well, thank you, David. Thank you. You're always so supportive and you're always bringing us together and you're always creating and yeah. thank you. Thank you for this. This is lovely to see all this. Yeah, it really was. But thank this you was for a, your This was a great thing to do. All of you, thank you so much for making this this happen and recognizing the important work that you that you guys did and, and continue to do as this thing gets reinvented, you know, again and again throughout throughout the years. So one one quick question, yes or no. Cindy Hayward, Just Another Day, Ryeth Hunt, Whiskey Barber, Redux, and ha- Phil. Hang in there, Tori. All wanted to I know. know. Would you be game for returning for SG4? Because I know you. Rainbow, I know Ford's, Ford, Ford, Ford's going to own the Pegasus Galaxy by the next time we see him. He's of not course. dead. I don't believe it. So, <laughs> Tori, you go first. Yes. Uh, yes. There's my Hi, dog. Zigzag. Yes. Absolutely. Yes. We do it in a heartbeat. I do it in a heartbeat. Look, I just answered for all of us. I'm going to go. Thank you, Tori. Go. Thank you, Tori. Tori. So good to see you guys. Thank so you. Bye bye. Yeah. Yeah, Take you, care. Tori. Bye. Yeah. But, but yeah, you guys will be down. Yes. Legit. Yes. Oh yeah, for sure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I, mean, I mean, yeah, we was yeah, we'd Come be on. stupid not to, frankly. Yeah. I mean, look, that's one of the you know, what to talk about one of the things you you get out of this is that you know, it takes so little to make someone's day. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like you're on the subway and someone says something and you say hi back or, you know, or yeah. shake their hand or sign something for them. I mean, like it's just such a great, I sound a great pick me up. You know what I mean? Like I never thought, yeah. I I never thought like twenty years later you'd still be, you'd still get that kind of little little ego boost every every couple of you know every couple of weeks or whatever. It's 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 lovely. It's great when you go I to would, your house, your little basement dwelling that you're in. Yeah, when I look in the mirror and I say you're a you're a really good actor. <laughs> I would I would love to. I've said can this you sign? Before. Can you sign? You know, like yeah, yeah. <laughs> Oh, I, I just said, I've said this to you before, but I, yeah. I would love to, you know, I've grown so much since that. Yeah. I would love to be able to revisit for now uh, with much more insight and more. It's been great watching you, Rainbow. Like, honestly, yeah. like the, you're just like, just get better and better every time. Every time I see you, it's just, it's amazing to see, you, see what you've Thank got up you. to. Yeah, you Paul, you've just got worse, but, but, uh, but Rainbow, you really, <laughs> really picked it up. <laughs> David, you just never stop talking. It's- <laughs> <laughs> I got to get that fifty percent comedy in, right? I- oh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Something's got to be funny. Fifty. <laughs> <laughs>
Guys, this has been terrific. Thank you so much for taking so much time with us. We, we went a little bit over, but uh, it's going to be gold I've been in my apartment fans. for a year. I have nothing. Yeah. <laughs> none, none of us are like d- dashing off, really, are we? We're well, you know, the- yeah. conventions, they're, they're not gone for good. I, I think we're really starting to see the light at the end of the tunnel here. And uh, I can't wait to see you all in person again. Yeah, and likewise. My tremendous thanks to... David Hewlett, Tori Higginson, Paul McGillian, Rachel Luttrell, Rainbow Sun Franks, David Nickel, and Robert Picarder for joining us uh, in this very special 100th episode. And I have, as you know, trying to get back to the root of what this show has been about, the fans, Stargate art for you. This is one that I've been hanging on to a while. This is Steampunk Atlantis by Lena. And she describes it as archival photograph from the Atlantis expedition of 1907 for an AU prompt challenge using the main Stargate Atlantis team. My prompt was steampunk. As usual, many references used. All the characters are referenced. I looked at vintage photos for ideas of the poses and some of the costumes. Notably, Rodney's pose and clothes are referenced from a vintage photo of H. Ryder Haggard. This is an homage since I read and loved his books as a kid, and he's partly responsible for my love of the concept of steampunk. The Zeppelin is based on vintage photos of the Graf Zeppelin. My thanks to my team, as always, for continuing to make the show possible. Um, Summer, Tracy, Keith, Jeremy, Reese, Anthony, uh, and Linda Gategabri Fury, my producer, and my production assistant, Jennifer Kirby. 100 episodes, man. It took us a little bit, but not as long as I would have thought. So I will be back this fall with uh, season two, and we will be going from there. But we're going to continue to pump out content over the summer. Hope you're enjoying that. And that's what we've got. Thanks so much for tuning in to Dial the Gate. My name is David Reed, and I'll see you on the other side. Dial the Gate is hosted and executive produced by David Reed. The producer is Darren Sumner, co-produced by Linda Fury. The composer is Neil Acree. Animations by Bryce Ors. The production assistant is Jennifer Kirby. Moderators include Summer Roy, Keith Homel, Tracy Noller, Jeremy Heiner, Reese M., and Anthony Rowling. Logo design by Deborah J. Bell. Additional effects by Thomas Tots, with contributions by model makers Chris Baker, Stephen Barr, Kevin Zabo, and Tom Paris. The archivists are Linda Fury, Zachary Adams, and Fred Eric Marcoux. For general inquiries for submissions, please contact us at dialthegateshow at gmail.com. Visit our website for the upcoming schedule, as well as an archive of our past episodes at dialthegate.com.